I really believe that if we want to be healthy, vibrant communities, we need to listen to the people within our communities and assure that all of their voices are being heard, whether they are 80 years old, whether they're 18 years old, whether they're five years old. We really try to um, flip the bill on the sense that young people are a hindrance um, or a problem in rural communities or even in cities. Um, young people should be seen as assets. And I want to keep our town going. And it's got so many great attributes, but it could be so much more. And I think that's kind of where my role as an educator, wanting to get kids involved in this, this idea of community engagement, <clears throat> where that really came from. Hello, and welcome to Out West, the official podcast of the Western Governors Association, a bipartisan organization representing the governors of the 22 westernmost states and territories. I'm Jim Ogsbury, Executive Director of WGA. This episode continues our series about reimagining the rural West, the chair's initiative of North Dakota Governor and WGA Chair Doug Bergen. Each episode of this series will focus on different aspects of the initiative, examining challenges and opportunities in rural economic development, infrastructure, and quality of life in the rural West. Today, WGA policy advisor Laura Cutlip explores the important role that younger generations play in reimagining their communities. When rural areas conduct revitalization efforts, Young people are often overlooked, despite the fact that they offer a fresh perspective on how the community can bloom. Megan Laudenschlager, the executive director of Strength in North Dakota, emphasizes the importance of listening to young voices. I really believe that if we want to be healthy, vibrant communities, we need to listen to the people within our communities and assure that all of their voices are being heard, whether they are 80 years old, whether they're 18 years old, whether they're five years old, um, really being able to place equal value on what each individual citizen within your community is, is saying about your community. And it's important to engage young people in building our communities because they're the future of our communities. They probably have the best ideas if we would just get out of the way and, and, and let them share those ideas. Um, and the more that we work with youth, the more that we um, listen to the opinions of youth, they are so much more thoughtful than maybe we ever give them credit for. And they're so much more forward thinking and engaged and they know what's going on in the community and they want to be a part of the decisions that are being made about their community. Laudenschlager also notes how rural youth can shape their communities for decades to come by helping to identify local assets that serve as incentives to keep people in small towns. We can foster greater buy-in within our communities. We can foster a leadership pipeline within our communities by engaging young people. And ultimately, right now, we want our young people to come back to our communities after they've gone out and received an education because we have a huge workforce, sh workforce shortage. So how do we support 
young people to feel like they have a say in the future of their community so that we can keep them here so that they can pick up the torch and build a family and have a great career and be able to thrive in this community that so many have put so much into. Another piece is supporting entrepreneurship. So how can we support our young people to say, well, you don't see this business here or you you see this as a gap in our community. How can you create a business then that fills that gap that would provide a living for you? So I think that's another piece by encouraging entrepreneurship with, with people, um, with young people in our high schools that they can come back and be an entrepreneur in their community and have a great career and be able to thrive. Entrepreneurship is a great way to give young people a voice. Laudenschlager explains that although these opportunities are usually available, rural towns need to take advantage of a changing economic environment in order to capitalize on them. I think there are opportunities to show the youth within our schools that they can come back to their small town and thrive by being able to offer them or being able to show them that workforce is changing. Jobs are changing. The jobs of today likely aren't going to be the jobs of tomorrow. So there are opportunities around technology. And North Dakota has some of the best um, internet um, in the nation. So when it comes to having options around careers and technology, North Dakota is is primed for that. So how do we communicate to youth that you can do really anything in North Dakota virtually? You can work anywhere by because of that huge investment that was made in our state years ago. So being able to show them that technology has really opened all of the doors for them is a huge component of it. Often, it is young people themselves who are the biggest assets but they need the support of their communities in order to realize that. Ben Thomas, executive director of the Rocky Mountain Youth Corps, elaborates. We really try to um, flip the bill on the sense that young people are a hindrance um, or a problem in rural communities or even in cities. Um, Young people should be seen as assets, and we work to bring the best out of young people and also work with community to recognize uh, what young people can bring to the community. So um, we, we engage with um, local youth and providing them with opportunities to enhance their education, but also to explore careers, um, to think about what they want to do next, um, where they see themselves in the future. Um, but a lot of the, the certifications, a lot of the trainings that we're offering aren't geared towards one career or another. They're more general, um, such as you know how to manage a bank account, um, leadership skills and team working skills, skills that in any trade you're gonna need. So we certainly have a lot of people who are interested in land management come to the core or leave the core um, thinking that that's what they wanna do and that's great because we're providing an avenue um, for that. But we also, you know, we have alumni who are, for example, working in the schools or, you know, heads of businesses or working in banks. Um, We just hosted an annual event where we invited uh, an alumni from almost 20 years ago, and he's leading the town's um, youth development, I'm sorry, leading the town's um, recreation facilities program um, for the town of Taos. So I think we are providing skills that are transferable to, to any kind of career. 
Thomas goes on to discuss how fostering these practical skills can help fill workforce gaps that certain sectors are seeing today. Our federal land managing agencies are behind in, in just general upkeep and maintenance. Um, the the backlog of maintenance need, maintenance excuse me maintenance needs on our federal lands is is astonishing, and they can't do it alone. So partnering with organizations like Rocky Mountain Youth Corps um, allows the agency to accomplish that mission critical work, um, but my opinion, more importantly, they're engaging local community members um, to do that work and to engage a local 17-year-old who maybe had never even been to the park, um, who lived in, you know, just outside the park or, or a gateway community just outside the park for all, all of their life and they've never got to go into the backcountry of that park. That's, that's a transformative experience for that individual. Um, the park's winning because that, that person is now um, going to come back to that park. Um, they want to see their work year after year. Um, hopefully they'll bring their kids back to the park. Um, so the parks really are winning out on uh, these types of partnerships, and it's uh, something that's really critical to our line of business is to, to develop and form these partnerships with the federal land managing agencies, um, and it's been a, a very successful model. It's not just the parks that benefit from this arrangement. The core members do as well. There's a, um, a hiring authority um, that participants, once they graduate from the core program, they can take advantage of. Um, it's, it's not a guaranteed job uh, with the federal government, but it's a hiring authority that gives them uh, an upper leg. Similar to if you were a veteran um, returning from war, you have a, a core member who served a certain number of hours with a core can receive this hiring authority, um, and it's just a uh, an easier path to get a job with the federal government. And um, it's something that I think uh, a lot of land managing agent land management agencies are thinking about as a lot of employees are reaching that retirement age. Um, they're thinking, wow, where where is the next uh, their next hire going to come from? And, and cores are a great source for um, recruiting. Building opportunities for youth engagement and expanding career options is something that Kevin Lear, a teacher at Rugby High School in Pierce County, North Dakota, works on every day with his students. I look at rugby and I look at the North Dakota as a state as a whole, and I just get this overwhelming feeling that things are moving in a really great direction. And there's a lot of opportunity. And I want to see that opportunity trickle into our town. And I want to keep our town going. And it's got so many great attributes, but it could be so much more. And I think that's kind of where my role as an educator, wanting to get kids involved in this, this idea of community engagement, <clears throat> where that really came from. That's kind of where it stemmed from, I guess. Lear shares an example of how a project his students started grew into something much bigger. I did a big project about three years ago in one of my, my North Dakota studies class, and it was geared towards the history of rugby, specifically it's downtown, and that kind of paired with Governor Burgum's Main Street Initiative. And then from there, I, like we had such a great just experience with that whole project, and we actually got the lieutenant governor to come to rugby when we unveiled our documentary, and, and it was really well done. And so it put us on this this course of like, wow, there's great student engagement, great community engagement. There's definitely something here. Let's move with that. And so the, over the course of the next year, I spent a lot of time um, reading and researching and doing everything I could to learn about the Main Street Initiative and, and really trying to reinvigorate like, what does community engagement look like? How is it changing moving into the 21st century? And it's almost like the more and more I get into it, it's almost like the more people pursue this path, it's like we're going back to that original roots of what communities were built like in the 1900s. And it's, it's exciting as a, as a history teacher 
I'm like, this is awesome. We're, we're seeing a full circle unveil in front of our eyes. How can we not be a part of this? So I put together what I thought would be a pretty, a pretty good curriculum on, on material that we could cover and, and compa- or like, you know, put that together with project-based learning and how can we make a marriage there that's going to be really effective. Um, and, and it's not perfect, but I think when my school board and my administration saw that there was something there and the kids were willing to take the class and then they saw how kids were progressing through the class and how engaged they were, they really bought into the idea. So yeah, it's, it's been really kind of a fun process to go through. The scope of Lear's class goes far beyond academics, preparing his students to be engaged members of the rugby community. For sure. I think soft skills is huge and we don't have, in my opinion, we don't have enough opportunities within a school setting to get kids out and engage with other people that are not their grade level or a grade below or above, right? So um, I've watched kids, this is no joke, I've watched kids, like when we did one of our projects, they had to call the business owners individually and explain to them what we were doing and why they wanted them to be a part of it and the implications on how it could positively affect our downtown and I watched kids get into tears. They're so apprehensive of making that phone call. And then it was like, no, 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 no. You have nothing to be scared of here. You just got to make the call and then explain what we're doing and didn't listen to the reaction. So even things as simple as like that, um, you would think that, well, they should be able to make a phone call. But it's for some kids, it's super, super anxious, right? Um, so yeah, soft skills is huge. But other than that, I mean, you're talking networking is a big one communities like just civics engagement in general so like I talk about like understanding the structure of your local government how does the local government making decisions that impact you and uh, being able to understand that and then develop you know the skills that it takes like if you really want to try to change an ordinance what do you have to do in order to change that ordinance how many times does it have to be read in front of city council is there a petition that you can start you know all those things to be a real engaged person so those would all be skills there and then on the flip side, we're also doing a lot of historical stuff too. So historical research, analyzing, comparing and contrasting, looking for comparables. I do that all the time. And and then the tech side. So, I mean, my kids are very fluent in Google Maps because we can virtually go anywhere just from the classroom, but they know how to navigate through, change timelines on Google Maps so they can actually look at like, okay, this is what it looked like in 2000. Now look at what it looks like in 2012. And they can see incremental change over time. And so it's, as a teacher, What's hard is like you have to get out and figure out how to find that stuff and then bring it in and bring it in in a way that you can encompass it into a holistic approach to learning. And, and that takes a lot of time. That's what it comes down to is time. <laughs> Lear goes on to explain how youth engagement can be advantageous for community development. In, in a small community, there's, there's almost a vacuum that is created by you have a certain population of people who are engaged in the community, but they're involved in everything. So they're on the museum board, they're on the JCs board, they're on in the Eagles club, they might be serving on a committee in city council or on city council. So those people are like the super volunteers that keep the community going. But then there's this lack of, of, of effort sometimes that we, we don't get to try to keep those little things to continue forward. Like, you know, the parade of lights, like how many volunteers can we get for the parade of lights? Well, there's three people putting it on. It's the same three people every year. Well, they get burnt out and eventually want to cycle out too. So I think for a small community, if kids understand the avenues in which they can, and, and I think one of the things I've noticed as a teacher is like sometimes kids are nervous to step out and volunteer because they don't want to be asked every single time. They just want to be able to, I want to volunteer now, but I'm in basketball during the winter and I don't have as much time. So it, it's it's a little bit of a dance there. Like how much can they be involved with all the other things that they're doing just as kids, you know, in their extracurriculars that they're in. Lear also sees great value in entrepreneurship, 
which he believes can be used to draw young people to rural towns. I've had a lot of conversations with the kids in the class, and they'll talk about, you know, maybe there is a future for me here, which is great in, in one, but the thing I look for is, like, can kids actually see opportunity that's in front of them now, you know? And then there's so many good things going for North Dakota as a state in terms of I think quality of life is extremely well here. I think, you know, in terms of what its cost of living is fairly reasonable. So it's like, how can you see that opportunity, get on a path to whatever education you need to be able to really do it and then come back and do it? And it's that entrepreneurial spirit that I want to see more of my students come out of my class with like one, we can identify opportunity, we can engage in our community and we can go after it. There are many benefits to including young people in rural revitalization efforts. They bring a fresh perspective, they are a great volunteer base, and more importantly, doing so will help invest in developing the skills they need to become the next generation of leaders in their respective communities. Thanks for listening to this episode of Out West, presented by the Western Governors Association. To learn more about Governor Burgum's Reimagining the Rural West Initiative, please visit westgov.org initiatives. And be sure to join us next time as we report on progress made in the first year of the chair's initiative, which will include findings from workshops, webinars, and other research. Finally, WGA would like to thank Kevin, Ben, and Megan for sharing their positive experiences engaging a younger generation of rural Westerners.